I say we go the extra mile. I'm really looking to motivate, inspire, lead, and empower others. And I do that through EQ-based coaching. And so emotional intelligence, that's all leadership skills. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA, and your host for the show. Well, today we have another entrepreneurial guest that discovered their passion while working in rather large organizations, actually, both in public accounting and in industry, and was able to refine those skills over time in those organizations, and now more recently has ventured out on their own to develop their own company within that area of interest. Jacqueline Badeau of Badeau Consulting joined us for today's interview, and her area of passion and the focus of her company is in the area of personal development and leadership coaching. She helps individuals that want to go the extra mile. And mile is actually an acronym that the Jacqueline will explain later. I think you'll get a kick out of that. There's a lot of meaning in that as well. These are skills that she developed over time while working with exceptional employers in her past, and now she brings those skills to organizations and groups of all sizes. She mentions this at the end of the interview, of course, but you can see more about what Jacqueline does online on her website at badoconsulting.com. I think you're really going to enjoy Jacqueline's story. And of course, if you do enjoy this, please don't forget to share out the podcast. We really appreciate this. And I know I always say this, but I really do mean it. If there's anything I can do for you in your own career, please don't hesitate to reach out. Or if you need a speaker on accounting career topics, I'm also happy to help any accounting association or any accounting club at a university as well. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Mark Goldman, CPA, very findable. Or of course, you can email me through our website, whatever's easier for you. I'm happy to help at any time. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Jacqueline's got a great story. Here's Jacqueline Badeau. Hello, Jacqueline. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, this will be fun. I'm excited as well. Well, for the audience, we have another entrepreneurial accountant guest on our show today, Jacqueline Badeau of Badeau Consulting. I noticed Jacqueline because of some of the unique information she had online about her background and her consulting firm, actually. And it looked like she would just have an interesting and inspirational story to tell. In particular, she talks about helping others go the extra mile, which is an acronym I'm sure we're going to end up discussing later on. But overall, I was just curious about the progression of her career since it covers some public accounting, some very large industry, a few certifications actually, and now her own consulting firm as well. Well, Jacqueline, I do want to get around to what you do now because that's very important, but it's also important for us to understand how you got there. What led you to decide on accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Yeah, accounting. So not one of those typical high school student picks, but that's exactly (laughs) where I started really loving accounting was in high school. They had a couple courses and usually you hear people talk about being good at math. They're really enjoying that. So tried out the accounting courses and really loved just how everything fit together once you started getting into the details. And so after that, I went right into college and declared accounting. I also had a high school job in there, 
that really solidified my love of accounting. And that's really, I guess, my first accounting job, even though it wasn't maybe my first professional one. <laughs> that's interesting. We have a lot of people come on the show that decided in high school because of the high school accounting or bookkeeping class, but not many mm-hmm. that actually worked in the field in high school. What were you doing in high school? What was the job? Yeah, so I actually had different part-time jobs, but my first, I guess, real job, if you will, was at a manufacturing company in my hometown. They actually had an office clerk position open. And so I started with just doing your normal office things like putting binders together and making copies and doing things like that. But the person that I reported to was actually the CFO of the manufacturing company. And I was starting to get very interested in what he was doing. And I hadn't really heard of the term chief financial officer before. So I just started asking questions and started looking at work on his desk and literally just started asking, what do you do and what does this mean? And he started teaching me, which turned into an accounting clerk position. I remember one time where um, I was actually taking a vacation in the summer and we were doing some bank reconciliations and he was trying to get through them with his staff and there were some reconciliating items that no one could really track down or didn't have perhaps time to track them down and he said hey i'm going to give you about two years worth of bank recs and we have these reconciling items and i want to see if you could find them and clear them. And if you do, and if you get it done before you leave tomorrow, then I'm going to give you a $100 bonus. (laughs) And I was so excited. Again, I was going on vacation. I was 17 (laughs) at the time. And I was like, I am going to find these. And I did. I spent several hours and I was really investigating, doing research, and I reconciled those bank wrecks. And I felt so proud. And I kind of thought the $100 bonus was a joke just to have a light laugh. But yeah, as soon as I was leaving for vacation the next day, I came in the office to do a few things before I left and he handed me a $100 check and it felt so nice. But really the whole job of doing some basic accounting work just confirmed what I had learned in my high school courses that I really was interested in it. And so then I declared my major's accounting as I went off to college. Okay, okay. Is Lexington a, a big manufacturing town? Because I know there's some of your other work experiences in that area too. Yeah, so my hometown's actually Maysville, Kentucky, which is about an oh. hour and a half north of here. And so they have some manufacturing plants. It's on the Ohio River, so you get some different type of plants and paper mills and things like that. But Lexington, Kentucky is where I worked for so many years, and there are a lot of manufacturing companies. Toyota Show is right down the road from us in Georgetown, Kentucky. So we have Toyota, so all those cars that are made here in Kentucky, and some other large public companies around the area. Okay. Okay. I just figured I'd ask. I live in South Texas, and frankly, I'm not that worldly. I haven't traveled much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know. So did you stay with that job, or I guess how long did you stay with that high school job? Did you stay with it into college, or did you end up moving on? So I was in that accounting clerk, office clerk role for about two and a half years, so I actually started working there when I was 15. And so I started with the office clerk and started asking questions. 
and then started doing the accounting work also. So I worked up until I left for college and I moved to Richmond, Kentucky, about an hour and a half from my hometown to go to Eastern Kentucky University. And so then I was, you know, the distance was long. So then I worked locally my college years. Okay. Okay. I just figured I'd ask because, yeah, sounds like a great start. Great start. So you knew going into college, you were going to be an accounting major, declared it early. I take it you went straight through and, and kept that path. Is that? I sure did. Yeah. I went straight through accounting and along the way, considering the different certifications. Do I do the CPA? Do I do other things? Do I go to public accounting? Do I do business and industry? So the typical things that most college accounting majors think about definitely went through that thought process and then eventually obviously chose the CPA route, which in Kentucky, you have to have so many extra hours on top of an undergrad degree. So that's what led me to one of the reasons why I went to go ahead and get my MBA. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, since you worded it that way, what was the decision-making point to decide on the CPA versus, I guess, whatever the other options were that you were looking at? Yeah. For some people, when they're going through college, there's some misconceptions about the CPA license and, hey, the CPA license is maybe for those who only go to public accounting. And so, years ago, that some of that was still lingering around. And so, just deciding, do I want to go to business and industry? Do I want to go to public accounting? You know, you cut, sometimes you hear those scary stories with public accounting and working so much that you don't have any life and that type of thing. <laughs> so going through that thought process, but what really helped me was Eastern did a good job. They had some good partnerships with our state society or KYCPA. I became a student member and really got a lot of education into all the opportunities that a CPA license can bring you no matter what path you choose directly out of college. And that along with part-time jobs and then I received an internship through a public accounting firm before I graduated, which helped just solidify exactly what I wanted to do. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. I do several presentations for student groups, and I'm a big proponent of the CPA certification, particularly when people still have the rest of their life ahead of them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It gives you a lot of options if you go ahead and get your some type of certification or licensure like the CPA. I do believe it gives you a lot of opportunities, a lot of flexibility for any of those listening who are deciding, go ahead and get it. Perfect. Thank you. We didn't even talk about that in advance. And that's just I know. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to a lot of college students, actually, and we talk about that. They ask a lot of questions about different licensures and stuff. So, yeah, I talked to a lot of college students about the same subject. So why not go ahead and plug it? <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you did an internship in public accounting. Did you go into public accounting straight out of school then or did you? I did. Okay. Yeah. So that first job was in public accounting and the firm that I went to, you actually got to do both audit and tax work. So a lot of public accounting firms kind of make you decide, do you want to do audit? Do you want to do tax? That was typically the two options that you had years ago. And being a college student, you don't really know for sure. You may say, oh, I like my tax class or I don't like it or my audit or I don't like it, I do like it, whatever. But it's very different in practice than it is in textbook. Obviously, you have to have the textbook, those technical skills, and the degree to get your foot in the door in companies as an accounting major. 
But real life application is completely different. And that's why I encourage internships for as many people who can do them because that will give you some insight into really what you want to do, which absolutely helped me because I did my internship at the public accounting firm that gave me a full-time offer. So yeah, I got to do audit and tax for a few years, but actually I never really let go of tax 100%. But although that I grew up through the firm in the audit practice, did a little consulting as well, but my main focus was auditing and public accounting. And while I was in public accounting, I did a lot of other cool things. I was a career counselor, which really started my, one of the places that really started my love for helping people grow and develop in their career. So I got to be a formal coach. I led our audit training team. So I got to develop material or facilitate material through our whole audit practice. It was just so much fun. And again, I love teaching people and seeing what they do with the knowledge. I did a lot of speaking engagements kind of an expert in a few areas and industries. And I love doing all those things, which is kind of a little insight into what I'm doing now with the coaching and training and that type of thing. But I definitely did some of that in public accounting. Okay. Was all this at at Dean, Dorton, Allen, Ford? Yeah, that was their name of the time they go to. Well, Dean Dorton Ford was the name of the firm at the time. It's gone through some mergers and acquisitions. And right now they are recognized as Dean Dorton. Okay. And I still keep in contact with them today. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You were with them for a while, it looks like, over six years. So that obviously was a good relationship. (laughs) It was. Yeah, it was great because, again, it gave me a lot of great knowledge to do both audit and tax. It gave me some opportunities to think about a lot of things, learn a lot of things. And really, I grew up really fast within the firm. After six years there, I was a manager and it was the summer where you go through potential partner promotions. And so I was already ready to be considered for that. So I knew I was at a pivotal point in my career where was I going to stay? If I was going to get promoted, am I going to stay and invest in a long-term career public? Or, you know, this was what I looked at as a fork in the road for me to decide if I'm going to business and industry, It was time, and I wanted to go ahead and do that before the partner promotions were officially considered that summer. Okay. I was curious about that. Thank you for working that in. It looks like you exited in the industry and actually a rather large organization. Was Temper Sealy the very next move for you? Yeah, it was Tempur-Pedic at the time. So Tempur-Pedic, yeah, at the time they were globally headquartered in Lexington, Kentucky, which they still are today. They just didn't have the Sealy merger at the time. So in 2011, it was Tempur-Pedic. They were about a billion, billion and a half revenue around the world. I'm selling and distributing the Tempur-Pedic brands. So some of you may know that mattress. Very comfortable. I have one myself. <laughs> and then, yeah, a couple of years later, they acquired Sealy, which is the Sealy brand, which includes the Stearns and Foster brand. And those were also, that company was around for about 120 some years before Tempur-Pedic acquired them. And, but overnight, basically in 2013, we doubled our size. So we came out about a $3 billion business the next day. So that was a wild experience for sure. Oh my gosh. Before I pass over this, I'm just curious. It sounds like they were, or well, I don't know anything about Dean Dorton. So I'm assuming they were not a client, Tempur-Pedic. Not I mean, at the time. Yeah, not at the time. So 
they actually, Ding Dorton had completed some work for them years prior when Severpedic decided to oh. go public. But yeah, they were not a client. Dean Dorton did mostly private company work at the time. So I just actually went through a recruiter. I really encourage people to go through a recruiter because I think they can really help you have an edge in the recruiting process. <laughs> Believe in that. Have a lot of good relationships with recruiters in the area. And this position came up. The assistant controller of the Temper U.S. business, they were actually creating a new position. They were looking for someone who was a different CPA. And, you know, that's kind of how I describe myself. I'm not your typical CPA. I had a lot of experience in the talent management, HR, uh, training type of coaching area. And that's what they were looking for. And so I went in and interviewed for it again, heard about the opportunities through a recruiter, which again, lots of times those opportunities, only recruiters know about them. And so went in, interviewed and loved the environment. And that's kind of how I got started there. <laughs> Just for the record, we didn't plan this. I own a recruiting company, but I know. Uh, you know yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I actually do a lot of blogs and social media about interviewing and job hunting and resume tips. And that's one of my tips. I say go through a recruiter. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. It looks like you moved up quite a bit or you had several different roles while you were with Tempur-Pedic or Tempur-Sealy. So walk us through some of those progressions. I mean, which positions did you enjoy the most and what did you learn? What were some of the milestones? What did you learn during that time? Oh my goodness. I learned so much at Tempur-Pedic and then at Tempur-Sealy. And yes, as you said, I was in a lot of different roles. I was actually in four different roles throughout my almost nine years there. So I started in the assistant controller role, which was newly created. So did a lot of work into bringing lots of best practices into the company around controls and started really building some talent management initiatives across the U.S. So I love doing that. In 2013, the company, that's when um, Superpedic bought Sealy. And so that was a wild time. And we actually created a temporary finance corporate department And that department, after the merger, was responsible for really bringing the U.S. accounting and finance organizations together in relation to people, processes, and systems. And so I actually went into that department as a manager in finance integration, we called it, and was really integrating the two companies together. So I spent a lot of time traveling. So I did that for about a year, traveling a lot to North Carolina because that was where Sealy's headquarters was, and the company still has an office there today. And so I literally spent almost every other week down in North Carolina, really helped understanding the accounting finances, kind of like what are the processes, what are the people organization, what's the talent structure here, what are our systems, and really coming up with strategic ways to bring everything together, really integrate the entire accounting family. And so that was a huge milestone and a huge project at work, a lot of strategic skills and things that I had to come up with a plan for this whole U.S. business. So did that for a while and then went into controllership with it back within the Tempur-Pedic U.S. business, which was about a billion dollars at the time of revenue. 
And so on the top of what I was doing controllership, I was also leading that integration of really listing and shifting different aspects of the accounting department across the U.S. So I just learned so much from a strategic level. I got to meet so many different people around the world and got to learn just so many facets of the business because that was one of the reasons I wanted to go into business and industry was to really learn how a business ran because I had always had a vision of running a company. You could ask any of the people at Temper Sealy, they would say, well, Jacqueline's always said she'll run a company, whether it's this one or another one or one she creates and starts. I was always very clear about my aspirations. And so I really wanted to learn the inner working. So I spent a ton of time around the business learning marketing and spending time with the sales team and our transportation logistics and customer service team just to understand how it works, which gave me a ton of invaluable information and also got to exercise my emotional intelligence and leadership skills a lot through the process, as you can imagine. And then finishing my career there, the last three years, I was our head of our global internal audit team. So I reported directly to the board of directors. I also had administrative reporting line into the CFO and traveled the world, got to understand different cultures, different risks different aspects of running a global business. On top of all that was also coaching. I think I was coaching like 25 to 30 people before I left at different cadences throughout the year. I would constantly be bringing in third parties to train or developing content myself and train. And our company decided the last couple of years before I left, we had a cross-functional team that mostly HR, as you can imagine, but also me and a few others who came together and said, how do we want to invest in our people? What do we want this to look like? And we started onboarding training. And a big initiative was starting leadership training for our manager levels across the U.S. And I became a certified facilitator during that process. And that kicked off me traveling across the U.S., teaching leadership training to all different folks in our manager levels, whether it's our manufacturing plant workers, our retail store, our corporate headquarters, our sales team, marketing, R&D, what have you. And I just loved it. So I always felt like I had a couple full-time jobs (laughs) to the process because I always did the CPA, CGMA thing, right? But I also was always coaching and training officially across the organization. So hopefully that gives you some insight into, I learned so much and really helped me build a lot of different leadership skills throughout the process. Wow. So were you doing all this leadership coaching while you were the head of the audit team, the global yeah, actually, audit team? The whole nine, almost nine years I was there, I was always coaching and I was always training. It just may look different from year to year because every year there may be some different competencies that you should learn. And so, yeah, I did that throughout my whole career at Tempercy. Again, that was one of the reasons why um, they hired me. They were looking for someone that really had a knack for that talent management HR space. And so that's another thing I brought to the table. So yeah, when I was in my controllership roles and closing the books at all hours of the night, year end, going through external audits and internal audits, I was still coaching, I was still training, even had a global audit. I was traveling around the world and I was still training, leadership training across the U.S. and at our headquarters and coaching. 
all these people. I loved it. I love coaching. I love training. I love helping people grow in their careers. And that's really kind of the acronym that you alluded to earlier. My acronym is Go the Extra Mile, which a lot of people say. But what my mile stands for is motivate, inspire, lead, and empower because that's what I want to do. I want to motivate, inspire, lead, and empower others. And that's one of the things that I just have loved about my whole career. It wasn't just at Temper Sealy. It was in public. It was even in college jobs. I was a trainer at a restaurant. I've always just loved helping people and seeing them grow. And so, yeah, I did that to your question while I was also head of audit traveling around the world. Yeah, I kept really busy, as you can imagine. (laughs) Were you one of several people in this kind of, I guess, internal mentorship, leadership, coaching role? Is that sort of the culture at Tempur-Pedic or was this rather unique? (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer Seeley did not have a formal coaching mentoring program while there. I just always loved coaching and mentoring others. And actually, I launched like a mentoring program for our accounting and finance team while I was there, just something to give people officially an outlet to go ask for some mentorship, even though you could do it anyway. As far as the training, we officially launched training across our U.S. about a year or two before I left. And there was a handful of us, there were about like maybe eight of us that got certified across the U.S. to train in this leadership space. And so, yeah, eight of us, and mostly it came down to about five core people who traveled, well, either taught in the headquarters or traveled to our different offices and manufacturing plants to teach our leadership training. So that became formal the last year or two before I left. Before that, I was just doing that myself, bringing in third parties, like, oh, we're really going through a bunch of change. So I had some connections in the training space who I knew were excellent, who I had training from in the past. And so I would bring their company in and say, okay, let's do an emotional intelligence training or a change management training or a assertiveness training or communication, you know, whatever we were focusing on as a team, as a company, I would think about those competencies and bring in the training. And then eventually the company got formal about it in the U.S. And that was the the last year or two. So a little hodgepodge. Some of it I just did on my own mostly. And then that's just what I, I believe in. I believe that you should have coaches and mentors to help guide you and be your career advocate and help you grow and be honest in the process to help you truly develop your emotional intelligence leadership skills. And so that's what I've always done. Okay. Okay. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I just made a note because I, I want to make sure I ask. Before yeah. we get out of your temper seely phase <laughs> in your life, <laughs> period rather, maybe a better term, you mentioned traveling the world. And I'm curious, yeah. I mean, at that point in your life and for the job you were doing, I guess, what did you enjoy about that? And honestly, I mean, were there any drawbacks to all that travel? I know. Not everything is rainbows and butterflies, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people, and that is a perk. A lot of people look at it as, oh, travel is fun, and it can be. And so the thing that I loved about traveling for the company was meeting the people. 
because I feel like that always helped connect people back to the company. The global headquarters was in Lexington, Kentucky, and we had offices all around U.S., North America, Europe, Asia Pac. I mean, we had offices in so many places, and sometimes you may feel like you're on an island by yourself if you never have face-to-face interaction with people from the company. And so I really felt an obligation to be one of those leaders that got in front of our people and created pipelines into our global headquarters. We actually launched a ethics line or what people call like a silent whistle line. We relaunched that during my years in global audit. And so we actually went on a roadshow around the world to make sure people understood what exactly it was and how you can utilize it and really did type of that roadshow mentality to make people more comfortable and have people really an outlet, give them an outlet. If they ever had questions or concerns, we had like a helpline that you could ask questions to. And we also had the ethics line if there was anything they needed to report. So I always felt like it was a huge thing for, again, corporate leadership to have presence in all of our offices so they felt connected. And so that's what I love most about it of the travel was meeting the people, building those relationships, because that's just who I am. As far as drawbacks, yes, not everything is peachy. And I really suffered a lot from jet lag and going to different time zones. And that was hard because sometimes I'd go to Europe and Asia Pac. And even if shifting the time zones for a few hours really has a lot of effect on your body and the human body. And so I was one of those people, I really suffer a lot from jet lag and anxiety traveling. So I would have to take care of myself. And also sometimes I'd be gone away from my family for two and a half weeks at a time. So it was great because that was my block time that I could focus on our people around the world and build those relationships. But at the same time, I was making sure I was trying to keep myself healthy as possible because my body was going through a lot of different things. And sometimes you also come down with sickness as you travel around the world just with all the different countries and jet lag and sinus infections and all that type of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I figured, yeah, I like to be real (laughs) about this experience. And like you said, I mean, there's pluses and drawbacks to everything. uh, It sounded like an exciting job. So talk to us about, I guess, the decision-making process around leaving Temper Sealy and launching your own consulting firm, because this was, well, was very early this year, it looks like, maybe January, February timeframe? Yeah, so I was at Temper Sealy through the end of February. So again, I had always thought about running my own company. I was very open about that of my future career ambitions were to run a company. I would always say whether it's this one, another one, or one I'll start on my own. (laughs) So I've always been thinking about that. A couple years ago, I did an exercise that I kind of made up myself, but kind of a vision board exercise. I don't do the traditional one where you go to the magazines and cut out pictures and all that stuff. I have a different methodology that's kind of quick and dirty that I do. And I did this because I was kind of at the point where I had been very open about what I wanted to do, but I didn't know exactly what, as far as if I was going to start my own business or, you know, and what that would look like. So I did my vision board exercise and it literally told me 
I need to start my own consulting company where I coach people and I train people and I help companies invest in their employees in different aspects. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do. It was all about the right timing. And as you said, a decision-making process, right? Well, there was an opportunity that actually came about. The company started re- wanted to restructure um, some departments, including internal audit. And so I had already been in four different positions with this company. I had already known I wanted to start my own company. And so I decided to not pursue any further positions. They asked me if I would stay on for four months and really help them transition. And I chose to do that, to help them out and to transition, but I decided not to pursue any other internal opportunities because this felt like a sign that it was time to go ahead and launch my business. So yeah, I helped them out through the end of February and then got started with my company in, yeah, the March timeframe. So that's how I got here. Okay, so tell us about Badeau Consulting. What are you doing exactly? So Badeau Consulting, yeah, we focus in the leadership area. And so how I really describe it, if it's the quick message, it's leadership coaching and training and a little more down into the weeds, I say we go the extra mile. I'm really looking to motivate, inspire, lead, and empower others. And I do that through EQ-based coaching. And so emotional intelligence, that's all leadership skills. So let's go through an EQ assessment and understand how often you're actually utilizing your leadership skills. And then let me pair that with your goals, whether it's personal or professional. And let me help guide you to reach your goals. So I do a lot of coaching in that space. So individuals come to me or companies come to me if they're wanting to provide a third-party coaching service. Um, I also do speaking engagement. So lots of companies want a speaker or conferences. You know, there's a lot of speaking engagements in different leadership areas, specifically EQ, which I'm certified in, the leadership training. I teach a lot of different courses, a couple ones. I've been doing an intro to EQ course to really just help educate people on what in the world is emotional intelligence in the first place. It's a term that yeah, people have heard or kind of that buzz term, but I go into really what it is and I also teach other courses in that leadership space and, and also have a behavioral ethics course that's really popular. And I do consulting for companies. So companies may want leadership training, program development. They may want consulting in different leadership space. Like, for example, I'm working with a client who wanted to define their expectations of leadership competencies for all their employees around the world. And sometimes that's where companies fall down is that they don't clearly communicate their expectations, right? And so we defined what their expectations were, the leadership space, and not only defined it, but we came up with behaviors that are examples of demonstrating those leadership competencies like communication and collaboration. You know, what does that look like for an individual contributor around the world or a people manager around the world or even up through their C-suite around the world? And so that's what I came up with to help them are the leadership competencies and behavior. And so really what we do, anything in that leadership space, I'm just very passionate about helping others and helping companies invest in their employees, especially in that EQ space. (laughs) Where do you think your sweet spot is, so to speak? I mean, who or what type of individual or, or company benefits the most from working with? Yeah. Yeah. I would say when I think about ideal client, I think about the people who want to invest 
in themselves or the companies who want to invest in their employees because they know the benefits. There are so many studies that say if you invest in coaching and training in different aspects with yourself or your employees where you're building and understanding your emotional intelligence, your leadership skills, and you're more aware and you can build better relationships and express yourself better, then you can make better decisions and you can manage your stress better. There's so many studies that talk about they've had increase of productivity and increase in sales and decrease in turnover. And so I like to work with people who already know those benefits. I'm not necessarily trying to convince the people that are like, oh, I don't need to build my leadership skills. I have my technical skills and that's good enough. I'm not necessarily trying to convince those people. It's more about people who already get it. They already know that there are so many benefits of investing in yourself to where you have a third party to help you, coach you and guide you through your career or help you build different leadership programming or different models in your business that really show your people that you care, that you're going to invest in them, and that you're committed and you really want them to grow and also prosper. So that's kind of a big picture explanation, but literally that's who I'm looking to help. If everything goes exactly the way you would like, and then I realize that's big if in the enterprise, but if it does, what do you want the future to look like for Bodo Consulting? Yeah, Bodo Consulting, I would love for it to expand in some other areas in the HR space to help. So whatever I can do to help others, I could see it expanding into even stuff like recruiting and things like that. That's not a short-term initiative of mine, but I really like helping people, placing the right people in the right positions or companies. And again, I think it all comes back to being more aware, understanding your own emotions. This is all the EQ space, right? EQ is all about understanding your emotions better and you recognize them and you can better able to express yourself to build relationships, make better decisions and manage your stress. It's all about your performance and emotional and social functioning. And so I'm thinking what else can help people? And so I would love an international worldwide presence would be of everything rainbows, butterflies and unicorns, as you said, it would be global. I would be helping so many different people really reach their career or company goals, because I really believe that if you partner with people who care, I really want to help people go the extra mile. So if you partner with the right people, and they get your people engaged and then they learn something and then they actually can apply it to themselves in your company, then that's just a win-win for everyone. So global, multi-services, I would love to have a team of employees around the world. So those are my aspirational goals, if you will. (laughs) There you go. Beautiful. I like to ask the big, hairy, audacious goal question. So Exactly. (laughs) We end every show with the same three questions, and we better get to those just because of time. But one last thing before we do, you've used the term EQ several times, and a large part of our audience is earlier in their career, either still accounting students or maybe just getting their career started for a few years. So they may not have come across that term yet. Can you define EQ a little bit for us? Because you are certified in it. So <laughs> tell yeah, us a little bit yeah. about that. 
Yeah, I'm certified, and I like to just speak in just plain old terms, layman's terms here. So I describe EQ like a roadmap. So some of us may have used roadmaps, hard copy, or for those who haven't, think about using your Google Maps or your Waze app (laughs) to where you're trying to get from point A to point B, right? So you're trying to use those maps to really get to point A, point B, the most efficient, effective way you can. So that's how I think about emotional intelligence or EQ. I think about if you understand yourself better, your goals, your emotions, really become aware of that. You are able to express yourself better, be assertive when needed in a constructive way, be independent and make decisions. You build interpersonal relationships and you express empathy and all about contributing to a team or your organization or society. And then that helps you build decisions, making more effective decisions, solving problems and really controlling your impulses and having flexibility and stress, being able to tolerate stress and having a positive outlook on life, which is optimism or resiliency. If you're better able to do that, then you're better able to get from point A to point B in your goals, whatever those are, your professional goals, your personal goals. If you really understand those EQ, you know, I call EQ like it breaks down into 15 leadership skills for me. And those 15 leadership skills, if you know those better, you can get from point A to point B more effectively, more efficiently. And as a student, I actually do speaking engagements. I'm actually doing one for our local university on Thursday night where I'm talking about EQ as a student and EQ as an early professional. I do a lot of speaking engagements on that, actually, in training and talking about different scenarios in college to have to deal with stress and have to be able to build relationships with people, whether it be on teams or in group projects, and how that's going to translate right into being a professional and really building out your career. So really, I like to just say it's helping you get from point A to point B and whatever goals you're striving for the most effective and efficient way you can. Okay. Sort of understanding your own emotions, is that? Absolutely. Yeah, it starts with that. You have to be aware of that, more aware of yourself before you can express it better and build other leadership skills. And one fun fact that I like to share is a lot of people, there's this whole debate or challenge out there about IQ and EQ. And a fun fact is EQ is actually the largest predictor of job success, no matter what field that you're in. So EQ accounts for about anywhere from 27 to 45% of job success. And IQ actually averages about 6% of your success will be based on your IQ. And so a lot of people, again, think, oh, if I'm just intelligent and I have technical skills, then I will be promoted and I will be successful. And that's actually not what predicts success in the workplace. It's actually EQ. So not saying that you don't need your technical skills because a lot of fields, you have to have your degrees and you have to have your technical fields and you have to have your certifications. But what's going to get you to that next level and really the icing on the cake is your EQ skills. Very well put. Very well put. Yeah. You can train people on almost anything. <laughs> yep. You have to get exactly. the right person in the first place. That makes sense. Well, I do have three questions I end every show with, and I probably better get to those because I know I promised you that we'd be off the phone within an hour. So the first question is usually the easiest for our guest. From a career perspective, 
What's been your proudest moment? So I would say it goes back to watching people grow in their careers. I literally love watching people as we coach and we talk in different coaching or mentoring sessions, and they have to do the work on their own. I'm there to help guide them and help really help them see what I see already in them. And so I love when they take that and they really put it into action and they grow and they develop. And I've had so many front row seats, if you will, so how I like to say it see so many people growing and building their career in different companies and different types of positions and really following their dreams. So that, I guess, really one of my proudest moments is definitely watching people grow and be successful, people that maybe I've helped put a little touch on them. So I love seeing that happen. Yes. Yeah, those are special moments for sure. Well, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we learn from these. Oh, my goodness. There's so many things, right? Because, again, life, it's just life. But when I think about, you know, one of the things that people will learn in their career, and it depends on what company, you know, I've worked in different companies and I've worked in different industries. I've had a lot of different clients in a lot of different industries. I've done a lot of volunteer work and local not-for-profits and other boards. So I've seen a lot of instances of this over my career and talk with a lot of people who've experienced this as well. But I would say one of those lessons, company politics. That's one of the things that I'm not so big on. (laughs) I don't like the (laughs) company politics type of thing. Sometimes there's been situations where you know you're doing the right thing. You know that a certain group of people need certain training or need certain resources, but yet, you know, there's some company politics going on that, well, this person doesn't like that, so you can't do that, even though it's like, oh my goodness, why? And it's kind of one of those battles that you're told that you shouldn't go pick. (laughs) And so the whole company politics, Again, I've seen it and I've heard of other people experiencing it. It could be frustrating, but it's life. And sometimes there may be other ways to get your goals accomplished and to get resources of people who need it. So I would just encourage people to keep optimistic, which is AQ leadership skill. Keep flexible as much as possible, which is another EQ skill, to get through those times where it could be very frustrating. Again, Not any role that you have is going to be 100% just glorious. (laughs) So there's always other sides of that. So I would say company politics, definitely have learned the hard way of where I thought I was doing the right thing. And I was, but there was company politics involved to where I didn't address them initially up front and kind of had to spend a lot of time dealing with the ramifications and picking up pieces after. (laughs) (laughs) You've had a lot of good, valuable experience that just makes you that much better a coach. (laughs) That's exactly what I say. I have a lot of complexity of experience. And yeah, it just helps me me pull from lots of different experiences and perceptions for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's been the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh my goodness. There's actually a couple I'd like to say. So the first one I heard very early on in my career, and it was about giving people feedback. And this has really stuck with me. And the person told me, if you don't care about them, then you won't give them feedback. 
And that's a big leadership thing that people have a hard time because they may think it's more confrontation or the criticism, if you will. And it's, if you don't care about the person, yeah, you won't give them feedback. So I'm a person who I do care about the people I work with. And I do want to give them feedback because I do want to help them grow. So if you care about them, then you should give them feedback. And then something that I've really learned, I have a mentor kind of later in my career who started mentoring later in my career. And she told me, this wasn't too long ago, and she says, you know, if something comes up, maybe something that you have maybe put behind you, then ask yourself, is this something new or is this just the same old thing? And if it's the same old thing, then just move on because you chose to move forward. And so, again, that would be a piece of advice I would say because perhaps you've encountered a difficulty along your career, a difficult situation or a person, and it's just the same old thing. It's just a different day. And sometimes you just need to acknowledge that you've chosen to move forward and to better yourself and those around you, and you just put it in the rearview mirror and move forward. Yeah, that is good advice. That is good advice. I had a business coach uh, for several years that basically gave me very similar advice that when I was going through some difficult times, he said, have you been through this before? Okay, well, you know you're going to get through it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It'll make you stronger, right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I guess, actually, we should get contact information. If people want to find out more about you or your consulting firm, I'm sure you have a website, but where's the best place for them to go? Is there a website yeah. you'd like to point them to? Or? Yeah, they can go to my website, BadeauConsulting.com. And to spell that, it's BAD, B-A-D-E-A-U, Consulting. My email is on there. They'll learn about me and the services. And I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I do a lot of social media postings. I do a Think About It Thursday series and do some other things on there. But you can also look me up, Jacqueline Badeau, B-A-D-E-A-U, on LinkedIn. There's not too many Badeaus on there, so I'm sure you can find me and would love to connect with you guys. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed the conversation and I've learned a little bit about emotional intelligence. So that's just a bonus. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to speak with you and your audience. Well, that was my interview with Jacqueline Badeau at Badeau Consulting. And really, there's a couple things that I truly appreciate out of this interview. One, and I know this was early in the program, but I love how she got an interest very early on in accounting. In fact, she had an office job that she was able to morph into an accounting clerk role because of her interest in the field. And of course, that launched her career eventually into accounting. I love that little twist. We don't see that very often. And then secondly, I love how she's been able to hone her skills in corporate America, if you will. And now she's formed that into a business of her own where she's able to take it to the broader population. Because really, good leaders are needed at organizations of all sizes. And that's what Jacqueline's doing. She's bringing all those skills that she's been able to develop over the years, working for very large organizations into the small and mid-market as well. I just love that part of the story. 
Well, if there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me. Like I said, I'm always findable on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find, rather, on LinkedIn. Just look for Mark Goldman CPA. Or, of course, you can email me through our website as well if you need to talk about your own career or if possibly you need some type of speaker on accounting employment. I'm always happy to help. Well, this has been another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. And with that, we'll go ahead and close it down. We'll see you all next week. There's more to come.